welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. I'm here with my dad, and often before we start the podcast, we just have a mini meeting, check-in, where we go over what we might want to talk about. And today we decided that we would both bring something to the table, and then maybe we would record two podcasts, or we'd see how it worked. And funnily enough, we kind of both brought the same thing. So we're coming from different perspectives, so I'm going to offer mine first, and then hopefully Dad can answer my question with some of the things that he had prepared for today. So my question was, not necessarily specifically in our family, but in general, what advice do you give to your congregant members, or what has your experience been with children who choose not to take on the same religion as their parents. So obviously in our family, it's kind of like that. There's three children and all of us um, have various degrees of interest in spiritual life and religion, but none of them look traditionally like the way we were raised. And then I am mostly in a community now of people who are really into bhakti yoga and more Eastern spirituality. And so most of the people that I encounter are now investing in a spiritual tradition that is different than how they were raised. And I feel like I'm lucky enough to come to them and say, you know, my family was really supportive and my dad always said, as long as we were seeking, then he was happy, which I later realized is just what the Bible says. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't really have the experience of... um, conflict or disappointment or pressure um, to conform to the traditional religion that I was raised in. I was really encouraged by both you and mom to pursue what I felt inspired by and to pursue God in the way that I felt him most present in my life. But many of the people that I encounter who are diving into yoga don't have that same experience. And it was awkward for them to go home for the holidays or it's difficult for them when they maybe marry outside of their religion or start to have children and raise their children with different ideals. And yeah, I was just wondering over how many years, 40 years of experience as a minister, what you bring to the table when people have that challenge in their lives. All right. Um, So... Let me just share personally what I do answer as a pastor when people say that. The first thing I say to them is, first and foremost, live what you believe. Because if you're not living what you believe, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because if you're saying one thing but doing another, then your children are going to look and say, you don't even believe what you believe. Yeah. You know, so, so that's the first thing I tell them is to live what they believe without speaking about it. And then to love your children, no matter what they believe, mm-hmm. to love them. Um, now, that may make you sad at times because they're believing something that's totally the opposite of yours and that you think might even be damaging to them. Um, and then you may need to respond as a parent based on that. But, but first love them. Don't, don't react out of fear or worry or control, just love them. So, so live what you believe and love them. And then you're in a place where you can speak. But if you're not doing those two things, 
you're not in a position to speak to your children or to anyone. You know, that's my foundation. Um, you know, and hopefully your mom and I did that more often than not. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so, so hopefully, you know, and, and I think when we didn't live what we believe, we were pretty open and honest about you being able to call us on the carpet, you know? Yeah. Well, as I imagine maybe my own children in the future, I know I have spiritual goals that I fall short of every day. So, I mean, when you say to live authentically, to, and I was kind of thinking in my head, especially teenagers, like to point out hypocrisy is like such an important thing for their development, you know, um, right. to live authentically in my faith actually just means being honest with my children about how I'm falling short, right? Because right. it's basically the, the things that I wish I could profess as my spiritual standards, I almost never meet them every day. <laughs> right. And so it's like, I would want to be able to say, oh, before I have children, I'll meet all those standards so that then I'm living authentically in my faith as a model for them. But I don't think I can do it. Like, I fall short every day, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I think that's that's kind of what you're saying, right? It's like you're saying, be honest about your struggles. Right. Or, I mean, unless you're super capable of meeting those standards every day. Yeah. Yeah. Be humble. Yeah. Um, and, and honest. Yeah. yeah. So. And I guess that's what I felt like you guys did. Is like, I hope. Did, did you hit it out of the park every day? No. no, I didn't see you do that. But I saw you, I never saw you profess publicly something that you didn't do privately Good. around your spirituality. Good. You know? Yeah. Which I think is saying a lot considering you were a public yeah. spiritual leader. I mean, sometimes, and church people don't necessarily like that. You know, because I, when it came time to use examples of people who were not good Christians, yeah, I usually used myself as an yeah, example. Yeah. And yeah. people would either always come to me and say, I hate when you do that. You know, <laughs> don't, or don't put yourself down all the time, you know. <laughs> But those both yeah. comes. One of those comes from love. One of those comes from selfishness. But they're both. They both yeah. come from wanting their minister to be perfect. You know. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And I was honest right. about that. I would share my stories because one, I didn't want to pick somebody out of the congregation that was a better example. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And two, yeah. I would hope that by sharing my story that opens you to share yours, you know, but, um, but that gets into the talking part. Like I said, the first thing is live authentically, live what you believe, um, which includes, you know, not being so proud to, to put that fake ideal life out there because you don't have it, <laughs> you know, be real, you know, let people see that you fail. So let people, you know, so as we get into talking about it, one of the first things that's important is to say when you're in a conversation with somebody, I don't have all these answers. And even if I, the answers that I do have, I don't live faithfully up to. I, I wish I did these things better, you know. Um, because the biggest thing you hear about religious people is that they're hypocrites, 
which means the things that come out of their mouth are not the things that they live. Yeah. You know, so please be honest about that. You know, so as you yeah. start talking, say, as Paul said, I haven't arrived. You know, I'm still on a journey. You know, if you'd like to journey a little yeah. bit together, let's talk. Yeah. You know, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that I didn't do well enough is to when you are in a place when you're in the right place to talk with the right person to talk to share the things that are important to you. Don't be afraid to say, I believe in, I, you know, just as an example, I believe the world, and I don't, but I believe the world was created in six days and then on the seventh day God rested. If you believe that, say yeah. that. Don't be afraid to say uh, that. Yeah. I mean, are you saying that, that that's not your strength? <laughs> yeah, I think it's not. Because um, I agree with you because that makes me think of the story of like, I think we were teenagers and Andrew was saying like, yeah, but dad is so open and stuff. I mean, I don't even think he really believes that Jesus died and then rose from the dead for our sins. And I was yeah. like, uh, right. he definitely believes that, Andrew. <laughs> like that's like a pivotal central part of his faith. And he was like, no. Right. And then when we asked you, we had to like push right. you because you were afraid right. of isolating yes. Andrew. Yes. Because yes. of his beliefs, I think, right? Yes, yes. So you weren't hiding how you felt, but you were trying to stay inclusive to the point where Andrew actually thought that you might not believe that right. Jesus died right. and rose again. So that's, that's one of my yeah. shortcomings. But it's hard because it's also one of your strengths. Right. Because I care about people and I don't want to, to drive them away, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. But... So I think that's a that's a tyro. It is, walk. it is. But to share what I believe, without without the demand that you believe it, yeah, that's is, the thing. Huh? Is something that I can do and I didn't do enough of. That's interesting. That's really yeah. like an art, like a skill. Yes, yes, because that's that's the tightrope, but that's the part that I do well. I'm not a judgmental, condemning person. And I, I need, especially in difficult times in my life, to remind myself of that. Yeah. That I'm not a, a demanding, you know, judgmental person. So it is okay for me to say what I believe, what I believe, that you don't have to believe. You know? That is so true. So that's a great attitude to get at. And then you need to do yeah. it. You know, I had that attitude, but because I was so worried about driving people away, I didn't always share it. Wow. I 100% do that myself. And I could yeah. see how, yeah, like my ministry would be stronger if I could cultivate that in a different right. way. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if I believe what I believe is true, it's important for me to share it. Yeah. yeah. I also, I often kind of preach to myself when I'm talking to people that like, I was able to hear about faith and not be freaked out and run away. So why do I expect someone else not to be able to right. handle that? Right. You know, it's like I'm underestimating someone else's ability to hear me and right. not be offended. Right. But I was able. Yeah. Like, and right. I'm not some special person. And I'm not you know? the people that I grew up with in the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not them. 
you and know. you're also not in that same environment. Right. So, so that's part of that, those, so that's part of my, um, my personal response in those situations. Um, yeah. you know, so, and then the thing that, that I wanted to share today actually came from some, some, some reading that I was doing. I was reading a Christian online periodical, and I don't want to tell you which one it was because I end up not saying nice things about them, you know, <laughs> but the thing, the thing I liked about it was that they did, they used an example from Pew Research, and it was um, a, an opinion poll, a questionnaire that they asked of boomers and millennials about their religious practice and about their spirituality. The research was extremely interesting to me because as a pastor and talking to other pastors of mainline denominational churches, our conversations are all the same. We have people in our church, but they're all older than us. And their children don't come to church and their children's children don't come to church. And most likely their children's children's children aren't going to be in church. And we're not sure our small mainline churches are even going to survive. Yeah. You know, so the research was evident that 75% of the boomers are you know, say it's it's important to worship once a week. They don't always do it, but they, they say it's important. Less than half of the millennials said it was important. Um, wow. You know, and so that's a big... How many boomers did you say? Over 75%. It was 76.8 or something wow. like that, you know. Um, wow. And I can testify yeah. that they're all not in church either, but they feel bad <laughs> about that. <laughs> they feel better about hunting or gardening at that moment, but they do feel a little guilty. The, the millennials don't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it came to questions of spirituality, and they focused especially about, is a sense of peace and order important in your life? Is the wonder of nature something that's important in your life? Do you have a sense of gratitude and thankfulness at least once a week? Um, do you think that finding meaning and purpose for your life is important? The answers of the two groups were within four points of each other. You know, there was no difference in them in essence of spirituality. The difference was whether church was important or not. And that's where you hear people say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, I have this essence of faith that is important. And not everybody's going to even term that as faith. You know, I just think a sense of, of inner well-being and outer concern is important. Yeah. You know, but they're, they're all so very similar at the yeah. core. You know, yeah. and so yeah. the conclusion was of the survey, the people that were looking at the survey was that if you want to have communication with another group, but I say with all people, um, you need to be authentic and you need to ask authentic questions, not sh little short questions that have only one answer and not, not 
not questions that that are superficial, but very authentic questions. How do you see this? How do you feel about this? What do you think about this? Um, and then you need to listen. You need to listen. And so I went back to the person that I use as my ultimate example of how to carry my faith, and that's Jesus. Um, and I noticed that Jesus, even when he came across a blind person who was saying, Master, help me, he wouldn't assume what that person wanted. But he would ask, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not obvious. And Jesus took the time to ask, what do you want me to do for you? And, and when his disciples, he asked his disciples the question, who, who do people say that I am? And they came up with all the answers. Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're, you're um, a miracle worker, some say you're this, some say you're that, some say you're that. And then he turned to them and say, okay, who do you say that I am? And based on this what I read in this survey, I said, dang it, for, for 60 years, I've heard and preached the wrong point of that story. And for the next 20 years, as I'm talking to people who are not religious, but very spiritual, I'm not going to make the same mistake because the importance of that story that has been preached to me or preached by me for 60 years is the answer that Peter gave. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus did confirm that you're right, Peter, that, that is who I am. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that Jesus asked the question in a wide open way, not looking for a pointed answer. Yeah. Jesus didn't ask Peter, so that's what everybody else thinks, but you know that I'm the Christ, right? right. He said, who do you say that I am? Mm. And he was asking, I'm convinced he was asking that question of them and allowed them to give whatever answer they wanted to give. Yeah. Well, it's also just like a, a intelligent public speaker question because he's basically saying like tell me who my audience is so i know how to go out there and speak to them right right yeah yep. like when we have traveling uh like motivational speakers come here and go to the studios around here like some of them will say to us can you give me some background on the audience so i know right. how to prepare you know and some of them won't and i always like really admire the yeah. people who ask that because i always think they are really servants to the people who are yeah. coming to hear yeah and the reason that I didn't want to share the name of the online magazine that I was reading is because then they gave 10 questions for their believers to ask of the, the millennials to get them into church. Yeah. You know, and the answers, the questions that they asked were so pointed that it was like you're, the answer to half of them was, 
Jesus. And, yeah. and some of the other questions is, if you don't believe in Jesus, why? You know? yeah. Not yeah. authentic questions asking somebody what they do think but very pointed. Yeah. And so I said, well, you missed the whole point of the survey <laughs> that we did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I loved seeing the survey. Yeah. Um, because it helps me, it helped confirm in me what I believe. Because I meet these people for weddings and funerals and baby dedications, even though they don't go to church. Um, and I meet people who are as authentic, if not more authentic than their parents, um, who do care about, you know, how do I... How do I become a better father? How do I become a better mother? How do we share answers without indoctrinating? How do we love um, without letting our kids be wild? Um, how do we, what kind of experiences can we develop in our families that do express our gratitude for the things we have? And how, what kind of service projects can we be involved in? You know, church has just moved for, back to the heart of the individual or the the surroundings of the family. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking about in the beginning about being honest with your children about where you're at in your spiritual life and that authenticity and how important that is so that they don't feel the hypocrisy. And I'm wondering, um, do you feel like you need to be honest with everyone or do you just need to be honest with your children, like in that case? Because I think sometimes I worry, like, okay, so say I have a goal of meditating for an hour every day, but I am actually only meditating for 20 minutes every day. Like, I'm afraid to maybe tell a bunch of people that I'm actually only meditating for 20 minutes when I'm supposed to be really serious about this and I'm supposed to be meditating for an hour, but I wanna be authentic with my children. So is it okay just to talk with my children about that struggle? Do I have to tell everybody? Is that even appropriate to tell everybody? <laughs> All right. I feel like I feel like growing up in the parsonage, it's confusing for me yeah. a little bit because we lived such a public life. And I know my mom has taught me that she learned a lesson that there's a difference between secrets and privacy. Right. Good. That's 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 good. Um, I guess to me. It's essential to be honest, but not easy, but essential to be honest with people who see how you really live. So obviously yeah. your children, your spouse, um, your most intimate friends, because they hear what you say and they see what you do. So many people, I mean, there's plenty of people in my church, even though, even the church that I was at for, for 12 years, there were people there who had an image of who I was. They didn't know who I was. Yeah. They didn't know Bob Hollis. They knew yeah. Pastor Bob, the Reverend Robert Hollis, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and even though I was a whole lot looser in the pulpit and in my practice than a lot of people, they had a higher image of me than than I even portrayed. Yeah. You know, and so they would, even if they saw um, 
discrepancies in what I said and what I did. They missed them. You know, so those were probably the last people I needed to be honest with, you know, although I always like to be honest with them because I like to chisel away their monument. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, I didn't want them to build that monument. But but I had lots of I guess one of the things that saved me as a pastor's kid Mm -hmm. was that what I heard my parents say in the pulpit or in Sunday school, they lived in their life. Yeah. You know, they they both had their stuff and and right. they weren't perfect, but they would even say that in 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 the pulpit and and right. in Sunday school, right. you know. So but I had friends whose fathers spoke about love and respect in the pulpit and treated them like dirt that messed up those kids so badly. Yeah. You know, the fact that their father preached about love, but then treated them like they didn't matter or like he didn't like them, really messed them up. So obviously the people you live with, you know, and that's one of the things I struggle with more with my, with your mom and my, my current wife than with you kids. I always thought I did the the best I could with you guys, you know, um, I didn't do perfect, but I did the best I could, you know? I guess what I feel like I got with, with that was you were, I, like I said, I never heard you profess something publicly that wasn't true privately, but I also don't think I saw you consistently air dirty laundry. Right. Right. So I think that's kind of like, yeah, like if, you were honest with us yeah. about your struggles, but I didn't hear you like right. you weren't always preaching about that or you right. weren't always talking right. about but, that. Like, but I do, I have always felt bad that I was never the husband that I could be. Yeah. You know, that's what I always struggle about because I taught, I told people from the pulpit how to be a good husband. Yeah. I would also say to them, my wife is here and she could witness that I'm not. Yeah. You know, um, I'm working yeah. at it. You know, but I always yeah. felt like I fell short there, you know, um, but but I think I was honest about that. I didn't pretend that I was a good husband. And when people would say, oh, your wife is so lucky, I say, you should probably talk to her about that because I don't think that's really true. Um, I, I'm the lucky one, you know, um, but that's another story. Um, so definitely in the family. My closest friends, I was honest about what I believed. Well, yeah, and and my shortcomings. Um, In most of my Bible studies, we we had a different level of honesty than, you know, not honesty, but openness than we did in the pulpit. You know, they knew my struggles because we shared them as part of Bible study you know, and prayer groups and that kind of thing. Um, I don't think, I don't think you need to go about airing dirty laundry, you know, but I think there's never a bad time to share, you know, this is the goal, but I'm not there yet. I struggle with this every day. As in the example that you shared, there are sometimes you don't want to tell people you're only meditating for 20 minutes. Yeah. 
out of the people you know that are serious about meditating, and you live in a pretty serious community where that is a high ideal, how many of them do you think meditate an hour a day? And how many of them do you think find it easy to do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle to do that. It's a spiritual discipline. You know, so to to witness to the fact that it's a discipline yeah. and sometimes I don't feel like doing it, but I try to let God yeah. help me do it anyway. Sometimes I don't feel like doing it and I quit in 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't think that's good, right? but that's sometimes the best I've got that day. Yeah. Well, I think I like what you're saying because I think to hold the goal like, and to not, because I think that's what I don't want is that, especially I, I know, like, if I'm continuing to pursue ministry, like, if you are a spiritual leader, people are looking at you to hold right. those standards. Like, it's part of your role right. in the community, you know? And so I think I do, like, I, I do have that awareness that I don't want it to ever be like, oh, it's fine. Sometimes I only meditate right. for 20 minutes a day. Exactly. Too. You know, like... That, yeah. So I think there's like I want to be honest, but I also want to be understanding about that. Yeah, like like what you're saying. I mean, I think you're. I've never yeah. been your wife, but I think you're a, a fine husband, right? But that you you're not saying yeah. like I'm doing my best at being a husband, and I'm not that great, but it's still fine. And these women are lucky to have had this experience of being married, to <laughs> right? Me, right. I am not saying that. But you. Like you are holding a high right. standard for yourself, even though you feel like you've consistently right. fallen short. And so I guess that's, I like that balance that like, I want to be meditating for yeah. an hour every day and I'm working on that discipline. And sometimes right. it's only 20 minutes. Right. But I'm like, really but, but if I'm, if I'm with men yeah. and we're talking about being husbands, um, or if I'm with women and we're talking about being spouses, if I'm with anyone and we're talking about being spouses, and I say, I'm not the husband that I want to be. My wife deserves better than I give her. Yeah. There's going to be at least half of them that say, yes, I feel that way too. And yeah. if you share struggles with the yeah. discipline of meditation, and say some days I just, I, everything I have gets me to 20 minutes. Uh, they're going to say, I'm glad I'm not the only one who struggles with that. You know, and depending on the person, that gives me an opportunity to say, but don't you feel better than if you only gave 15? You know? And tomorrow, if you can make it to 21, great. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I think you can affirm without dropping the goal. Yeah, but that is, that's a dynamic and important role, I think, yeah. of anyone who's trying to yeah. live within spiritual circles. Like, being honest, being authentic, and also keeping yeah. a high so, goal. I would rather, even though people want to lift me up, as if I go hiking with Andrew, 
You know, if I go hiking with Andrew, I have a really high opinion of what he's capable of. Yeah. You know, but I, I'd be really sad if he went on and did it and didn't hang with me. You know, um, so it's okay if he hangs back with me. And when I get to a difficult place, he's able to use his experience to help me, you know, yeah. and say, you know, I have yeah. the same struggle at six miles, you know, yeah. um, you yeah. know, and yeah. so that's the pastor I've always tried to be. And I think is the Christian that I would be if I wasn't a pastor. I yeah. never want to put myself out there as God's rep, God, as the example of what God wants in life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because if somebody looks, yeah. I mean, I, with my weight, I've constantly always felt like a bad example. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not physically, this, if this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's not in the best neighborhood. You know, well, that I think that's also an aspect, a subtle but very important aspect is you didn't just ground yourself and like be down to earth yourself, but you also raised those around you up. Because, like, I just have this like constant memory of every single Children's Day, you saying to all of us children, like, your ministers every day, yeah, like in our religion, like you don't need to wear like a certain outfit or have a certain degree or, you know, you're a minister. Yeah. And so you're ministering every day. And today you're going to be in front of the church where you're actually taking on this kind of traditional role of minister, but you are a minister every yeah. day. You know? And so I think that has always been very clear. Like you never, even in literally the fact that you never wore a robe or something like you wanted to always look like everyone else like you didn't want to distinguish yourself yeah. above others yeah. you know so i think that is also helpful be and i think especially with children because i think if i can say to my child like yeah you know how you're trying to be nice to that person in your class but it's hard because they aren't always nice to you like right? i'm having a similar struggle you know yeah. You know, like right. we're not different, you and I. I'm not more capable than you. Right, right. Hey guys, so today's conversation actually continued on in a number of directions for quite a bit longer. So we've decided to split this podcast into two episodes. Join us next week for round two. Thanks so much for listening. so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.